This is your host, Mr. Backwards. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Today we have a very special guest, Mickey Watkins. This legend also goes by the name of Mr. Telecom, and he has been in the telecom industry for almost two decades. His latest venture is about to reboot the industry, and they recently kicked off things in Tanzania with their so-called smart village. Enough reason for a chat. Let's get this thing going. Good morning, Mickey. How are you? Good morning, Mr. Backwards. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. Very good. Thank you very much, man. Um, it's great having you on the show. Uh, we just had a quick chat. It was uh, nice to hear you also lived in uh, in Amsterdam for uh, for quite some years. Um, it's a great city. Uh, not as vi- vibrant as some people think, but uh, it's it's definitely a great great place to be. Um, Mickey, we just spoke about your your nickname, uh, Mister Telecom. Some people might know you. Uh, from this uh, nickname but please please tell us how did you get that name it hasn't been a telecom problem that i haven't been able to fix over the last 15 years at least and therefore whenever i came into a place into a country bridging a connection developing some software with my with my brother uh, to do with telecoms uh, uh-huh. it was always successful so i gained the name mr telecom that's what they call <laughs> awesome so so problems you know i mean what are some of the problems you, you encountered you know, over, the, over the past 15 years? For me, it started off, first of all, trying to work out how to provide cheap connectivity to people who couldn't afford it and to make it profitable so that it was sustainable for me to do mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this was, this was always a big problem for me. It seemed that the, the poorest people were always getting charged the most. Then I started to look at privacy and I started to think, okay, so we in, the, in, in this connected world, um, we're profiled, you know, mobile network mm-hmm. operators, their, their revenues are, t- are tanking. Um, and us as people, we are not the beneficiaries, um, but actually the, the, the subjects of which they take value from rather than give value to. So mm-hmm. I wanted to develop over the last five or six years a solution that would give people back their privacy, um, self-data governance, economic freedom of choice, and more. I put one and two together. My previous experience connecting poor regions and poor areas using off-the-shelf equipment, my privacy solution. Then I saw that 3.7 billion people were unconnected and it all made sense. I said, right, I think I can do this. Then I, I went on a, on a six months of research, um, looking at who else had done this, saw Facebook, Microsoft, Google, and other big tech companies were, were chasing connecting the unconnected. Yeah. And then I was like, whoa, okay, here we go. So I know how you to had do some this. pilots left and right. I can remember of like, you know, uh, I'm not sure if it was Facebook or another company, you know, deploying these, these, these drones for like what, what, right, uh, Wi Fi connection yeah. and stuff. Bloon. It's, it's, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I think Google so. Project. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was really interesting. Um, they were launching in East Africa, they spent hundreds of millions of dollars. Wow multiple times um but they've eventually shut down uh, the same as facebook you know they've they've stuck up 300 meter towers they've done everything they can that's but crazy the because is- it's such a big war chest you know and, and and they they just don't seem to figure it out but with that amount of money that's that's quite uh, astonishing to me it's very interesting you say that so you'd think that money could solve this problem but yeah. google a trillion dollar company they like i just said shut down loon you've got a thousand mobile network operators on the connected part of the world um, they, they control a $3 trillion industry. So they desperately want to go and connect the other half of the world. But it's not money alone that's the problem. Uh, their technology is there. The big tech companies have proved that. Mm-hmm. It's just there's no sustainable business model. So finding a sustainable business model is what it's all about. And that's where the sharing economy comes in. All right. So, so Mickey, you are the, uh, the CEO or also the founder of World Mobile. And 
you know, you just laid out the, the problem that still exists, like over half of the world population, you know, doesn't have a proper or if or, or any uh, means of com- communication with uh, with each other. Yes. So the problem has been around for for decades and, you know, these big companies tried it. But what's different this time or, you know, yeah, how is World Mobile going to tackle this problem differently? Okay, there's it's, there's a combination of differences, not one single thing. There's alternative spectrums that are reliable and robust, but are not being used right now, much cheaper. There's the convergence of technology um, and the mindset at the same time. And then there's the awareness. There's the, the, the social awareness responsibility that half the world is not connected. Half the world can't take part with the other half of the world. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's a combination of all of these things. And you know what? Facebook, Microsoft, Google, no matter how much we bash them and say that they, they take people's data and profile, they have shown a way here. They're the ones that have, that have pioneered connecting the unconnected. It's just they haven't done it successfully yet because there's still 3.7 billion people unconnected. So I think the difference this time is, is, is one, of its, one of the differences is our team, right? Um, these are people that are the godfathers of the industry. They, they invented policies, frameworks. Um, many of the, the countries that are established now in Africa, um, we, we have the forefathers, the godfathers of those people who, who, who created um, those rules and, and brought telecommunications to, to the continent, as well as Europe. So I think it's the combination of everything for us. It's the team, it's the technology, it's, it's not reinventing the wheels, it's using off-the-shelf hardware. Mm-hmm. we're in a perfect moment in time to do this it also seems you have a clear focus you know on a on a certain part or continent um and and that also followed by uh by the the smart village case study you know i was, was like incredible. reading up on on the mobile website i'm happy to elaborate on that if you'd like me to yeah please okay so around three years ago i convinced my my team this is what we're going to do right uh-huh. partners co-founders this is what we're going to do they all thought we were crazy then i found a guy called andrew soper um who's my friend for over 20 years i went to university with him uh i reconnected he was in tanzania i said to him it's really interesting how is connectivity in tanzania he said it sucks i said look i know that i've discovered that you know the sub-saharan africa has nearly 1 billion people from that 800 million are unconnected what can we do about it? And he said, actually, I've got a friend who was working with mesh networks and, and Cisco and Microsoft. Do you want to speak to him? So I said, I'd love to. And his name was RJ. Is, is RJ. Uh, we mm-hmm. spoke, clicked straight away, connected straight away. He knew what I knew. He knew how to deploy. I sent over some cash. The next thing we knew, we were building proof of concept. The first proof of concept was 60,000 students uh, in a, in a, the, across the universities in, in Dar es Salaam. And we were able to give them and the local businesses around there, internet. But we grew too big too quickly. Um, and because we weren't commercial at this point, we decided that this feasibility study proved itself. The students got three times the more data than they expected um, <laughs> for the same price. And local businesses were thriving because they were able to pick up on the internet and, um, and, and offer internet to, to their customers. But mm-hmm. it wasn't about just connecting the connected, right? The connected are already connected. It's about demand first. So really what we wanted to do was go out to the rural areas. So we found the most rural area we possibly could uh, within 60 kilometers of, of Dar es Salaam. Um, and we went there and we built a, a very simple mobile network. We put two air nodes up uh, either side of the, of the village. Uh, each one had a street light on, on top of it. Um, each one had a solar panel that's oversized and then backup batteries at the bottom. Their nodes compiled of a mast and a wireless access point, also a transceiver and transcoder, as well as the world mobile chain. All of this costs around $5,000. So 
So oh, wow. we did this pre-COVID. Um, then COVID came around, the, the, mm -hmm. the pandemic that shook the world. And we were not able to fly. We were locked up. Um, actually, Marcus, um, our video man, he's based out in the Netherlands as well. Uh, he was the first person able to go back out there nine months later. Uh, so he, he traveled back. Uh, we traveled back. We got to the village and we were in shock. The village had grown by two or three times. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the pubs, there was, there was one pub when we left. There was three uh, pubs when we, when we came back. The fishermen were earning 10 to 15 times more for their fish, for their catch because they weren't having to smoke, smoke the fish. They were able to actually um, contact people via WhatsApp. And all of this was done without um, training and without remittance and without a commercial license and without all of the things that we're bringing to the network ah, now. But Mickey, that, that's actually uh, makes so much sense, but it's a very, very uh, vivid example. Like if you're a fisherman and you, don't, you, you cannot communicate with people, you need to preserve your your goods or your, your fish, because you never know when the people are going to buy fr from you, maybe today, maybe next week, maybe tomorrow. But now you can just, you know, deliver on demand and you know, okay, this fish is going to be picked up at 3 p.m. And it sounds so simple. I mean, for us, we are, we are heading to a grocery store and we buy a fish, but... That's because there's good communication channels. That's because people yeah. know when the fish land. For crabs, they were... The villagers, the fishermen, were exporting crabs to China. Huh. These are people that had, that had had internet when they go to find internet. I think the closest source was about five kilometers, six kilometers from, their, from the village. But the minute uh -huh. that they had internet, they, you know, they were on WhatsApp, they were doing all the things that we do. When they had access to the same set of tools and services, their lives changed dramatically. Even, look, you, you, you might consider the power, um, just as communication and connectivity, uh, is an assumption for us. Power is uh -huh. as well. You know, we, we don't think about power. We just turn the light on and off. We pay the bill every month. There's no centralized power in these villages. So the air node also brings power. So that brought street light. The street light then brings night nightlife. Nightlife then brings more commerce, more more activity, more more promise. Right. So it just completely changed everything. So coming back to it, you know, these 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 smart village case study, the feasibility studies. That's really what made us even more motivated because we saw the change happening within our, our very eyes. And these are very simple changes. This was just providing internet. This was not remittance. This was not money transfer, which is a market that's ready to be disrupted. This was not providing uh, excess power back to the houses, which could be charged mm -hmm. via the World Mobile app. I mean, there's so much more that we can do. So, but it actually, really it, it was it was also a blessing that. That or a blessing that that maybe that is not really well put, but that um, uh, COVID came around, so it, 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 it really exemplified. Really, yeah. yeah, really had had the time to to prove itself, so you could actually see the change after a extensive period of time. We all wish that COVID hadn't have happened. It's, it's caused disaster no. to, to many, but for 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 us, this was you know nine months away. The, we really got to see the effect of internet without any interference or any, um, you know, pushing or molding from us. It's really like organic growth of, of, yeah, exactly. of a That's system the right implemented. Exactly. Awesome. If you're talking about like delivering power from, from solar panels, that's obviously nothing new uh, or, or, or He's not reinventing the wheel at all. Exactly. So my, uh, this, this also arises a question. So what's, what's different from, from just, you know, the, the regular mobile operators uh, putting up a mast with a, uh, with a receiver there? Okay. The end result, there's very little difference. The implementation is massively different. 
So traditional mobile network operators, they'll go out and buy a turnkey solution. They'll use licensed spectrum, uh, usually the GSMA um, protocol, the GSM protocol. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. We come into the country, we buy the mobile network operator license. We then, uh, instead of using GSM, we then try to find alternative spectrums to get that far. So we're very lucky in, in it's certainly the continent of Africa. The Chinese have come, they've installed uh, fiber everywhere. But what they haven't done is installed it to the last mile. So we pick up on that fiber, which is inherently much cheaper than using mobile network, uh, mobile data. Uh, we pick up on that fiber. We then plug that fiber into a base station, which can be a 60 foot, 70 foot in the air. Uh, this base station then has either TV white space um, or a similar radio spectrum, which has, uh, is not point to point, can go in, in a certain radius and can be picked up within 25 kilometers to 30 kilometers of that one base station. Okay. Or we use something called free space optics. So we're working with Professor Slim Aluni. Uh, he is one of the pioneers in the next generation, the sixth generation of telecom. Uh, and we're working also um, in, in discussions with Google uh, Project Tara in, in Kenya to talk about their free space optics modules, which is quite incredible stuff. I mean, it's literally from the sky, right? It's, uh, it's uh, UV. It's, it's certain types of light that then can be beamed via a thick beam, 12 kilometers at about 20 gigabytes a second. So you can literally put a square and then provide connectivity from that square and then pull off the, via daisy chaining or, or, or some other method uh, the, the, the backhaul. So really, so just using whole different highways than than yeah, uh, than the yeah exactly. Just, well, mobile network operators, dare I say this, you know, because I, I have been one. Um, mm -hmm. We're not so clever. We just buy turnkey solutions. We just buy stuff that's been made. And the big tech companies, the I won't name them, but there's only four or five of them that, that control the industry. Uh, I'm not talking about Facebook, Google, Microsoft. I'm talking about the ones that provide the infrastructure currently. Mm -hmm. They've stifled innovation. They've, they've shut down everybody, right? They've bought everybody out. Um, there, there, was, there was thousands of innovators 15, 20 years ago when the mobile networks were. Yeah. Was to it's like possible. the petrol uh, industry. They just want to keep on selling their, you know, their, their oil. So. Same, same thing. And even if, yeah. even if half the world is unconnected or even if half the world is, you know, is getting polluted, it's the, same, it's the same principle. They don't really care. There's no responsibility. They just want to maintain dominance in the market. Um, but yeah. eventually, you know, that, that dominance is, is going to leave them and it's going to be by people like us. Maybe, maybe World Mobile will, will be really strong in Africa and maybe somebody else will come into Asia. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe there'll be other people that join us in Africa. In fact, I, I sincerely believe that in the next three, four years, mobile network operators will start to, to change their own um, methods. It's, yeah. It just takes someone to develop that turnkey solution, the new standard of telecommunications. And it could well be World Mobile. We're, we're definitely on track to do that. I also like the approach of you uh, uh, telling like, okay, we are like open to, um, you know, to other competitors. You know, so sometimes I, I speak to guys and they are like, no, we are, you know, the solution. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I actually think we are the, the furthest in the race right now to connect the unconnected. However, there's 1000 mobile network operators that connect me, you and the rest of the connected world. There's none connecting the 3.7 billion people. So even if 100 come in or 200 come in or 500 come in, the market's nowhere near saturated. And this is, you're, you're yeah. talking about um, a whole generation that has missed out on what we've, we've got. So they're so hungry for internet. And Africa, average age, 19.7 years old. They're going to need, they need it now or they need it soon. It's right? a huge market. World Mobile also has its own token, uh, WMT. Sure. 
a lot of people always ask, okay, why a token? You know, why not just build build the stuff? So, what's the utility of WMT within the World Mobile ecosystem? Okay, so the World Mobile token is at the core of our ecosystem. It's been design, mm-hmm. designed to facilitate several things, um, but mostly the role, continuous rollout of infrastructure. Institutions are partially the reason that the world is unconnected. They don't want to invest into places or, or, or put money into places where um, the potential of the risk is high or the margins low. So we've developed it so that the, the crypto investors themselves, so that the community themselves who want to take part of the sharing economy, the people running the nodes on the grounds, can actually earn rewards from a $3 trillion industry. So it's been developed by Zero One, the tokenomics, and also I don't know if you're aware of Delphi Digital, but also some of the Delphi Digital mm-hmm. team. Uh, to, to find out more, you know, just come to the chat. There's, there's loads of information there and you can just message at WMT admin and he'll tell you everything about the token. And there's, of course, the token paper on the worldmobiletoken.com website. All right. So token holders will become like stakeholders in uh, growing the, the network. Definitely. This is not something that's generated to, to make, um, uh, dare I say this, this is not dent to take arbitrage from an existing industry. This is not um, skimming, you know, skimming from retail to Wales and Wales to retail. This is something that's actually tapping into a trillion dollar industry and something that we know how to run uh, a business model that actually needs a token in order to run effectively uh-huh. to incentivize the growth yes. of, of, of connectivity. The village, as an example, yes. um, their, their their air nodes will also generate uh, WMT, correct? WMT or a local currency, depending on regulation, or a stable coin, which we have as well, which we'll be talking about soon. You know, especially for people where the money really, really means something. Yeah, you don't want the money, the fluctuating in price, a 20% increase. Exactly, especially if people are planning their, their lives around it. Also talking about the token, it's it's based on Cardano's uh, tech. So why d- did you choose their blockchain over over others for uh, for the uh, World Mobile token? Okay, ultimately, their alignment is and focuses on Africa. So that was very interesting mm-hmm. when I met them three years ago. Um, Cardano itself, the the blockchain, has high assurance. It's proven mathematically to work. They're peer reviewed. They've got fast transaction speed and low fees. They're formally verified designed to protect users' rights and regulators' needs. They're also highly secure and designed for long-term sustainability. So that was pretty obvious for us when we saw that, uh, compared to other chains that are out there right now. And they've just matured. You know, we, we have working groups with them. We have great relationship with them. John O'Connor is, um, is a fantastic person. Uh, Charles Hoskinson is, is incredible what he's doing right now. But ultimately, we chose them for Aurora Boris consensus mechanism and Plutus smart contracts and the Atala Prism for digital IDs. Without digital ID, you can't really do too much. Uh, you, you can have the internet, but you, how do you bank? How do you get insurance? How do you apply for school? How do you do all the things that we do natively? So mm-hmm. to, um, to, to bank the unbanked, you've got to first connect the unconnected. But to, to bank the unbanked, you also have to give them digital ID. So it was pretty obvious, right? You know, in the space right now, look at the, look at the top 10, look at the top 15. Who do you see that's more serious about enabling a new world and opening financial freedom for those that don't have it? than Cardano. And then who do you see who is actually providing infrastructure and rolling out infrastructure on the ground other than World Mobile? So it's a symbiotic relationship. It makes sense to bank the unbanked. You're looking at the unconnected. And we didn't want to do both. You know, we, we don't believe in reinventing the wheel. Uh, we didn't believe in, in building our own blockchain. Uh, and therefore, we, we chose to go with uh, Cardano after much thought and deliberation. It also would be a great use case for 
Cardano on on their turn if if World Mobile you know really picks up steam and gets gets the traction in in the coming months. Um, World Mobile Chain, although it's it's built and settles on Cardano, it's got many other features. Um, but ultimately, it will bring a lot of people into the Cardano ecosystem. Um, we're talking hundreds of thousands uh, before before the end of the year and millions in, into next year. That's a bold statement, but I tend to believe it, Mickey. Hey, before we wrap up this conversation, because uh, I, I'm pretty sure we will catch up uh, you know, on, on, later on this month, um, because there's lot, lots of stuff coming up for uh, World Mobile. But what's on the horizon, let's say, next week? So we have our film crew. They've landed in Ethiopia. Uh, they're on their way to Zanzibar. Uh, RJ mm-hmm. and the engineers on the ground. RJ has just come back from the AIBC summit in Dubai, where we met some really interesting people. Uh, the full blown rollout will begin in the next two to three weeks. And uh, like I said, you know, every, every week we'll see more, more and more people connected to the, to the blockchain. And this will be one of the, the first real world use cases. Tans- Zanzibar is this year. You know, that's, that's what we really focus on on yeah. approving the off-the-shelf equipment, can, can build a mobile network. Then, towards the end of the year, it's all about making the sharing economy work. And then into the, the, first, uh, the first quarter of next year, it's about rolling out in Tanzania. There, we expect to bring on millions of users. Approximately half of Tanzania is, is unconnected right now. The, the regime there has changed. Uh, the government is really excited. Um, you know, the, the, the new president, she's bringing back freedom, freedom of speech and all the right things. And uh, I think this can be a flagship country for us and can potentially be one of the biggest um, and most effective deployments on blockchain that actually drives this industry forward uh, rather than just keeps us stagnant as we are. Thank you very much for today, Mickey. Thank you. For now, I can only wish you uh, good luck, uh, health and prosperity. And we will catch up soon. Mr. Backwards, thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. All right, man. Anytime. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye.